Welcome to BimmerCast number 54. Wait, is that right? No, scratch that. No, BimmerCast 64. <laughs> it's been a couple. It's been a, a few weeks here, uh, but we're back and we've got, uh, of course, a, a big show because we're basically catching up on a ton of stuff. Michael and I are joining forces across the ocean and we're going to be talking about um, starting from smallest to biggest X1. We're going to be touching on the new M3 rumors surrounding the drivetrain uh m5 m6 and we've recently driven those cars as well as of course that wonderful 7 series alpina b7 um and then i think we're going to touch on sales in the united states why are they down what could possibly be the reason stay tuned Okay, we're back, Michael. It has been a while, and you, my friend, have traveled a great distance in the past few weeks. Yeah, I've been seemingly around the world, um, and it's not to attend beer drinking festivals, it's drive cars. <laughs> really? Well, it's one of the two, I, I would assume, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, it's been, it's so been fun. Before we talk about that trip, because it's, it's one that um, I think you know, is, is going to form the basis of a lot of, a lot of the show, I do want to touch on the X1. I mean, thinking about the cars that have been released that of course are uh, not, you know, six-figure M cars. The X1 is, of course, the smallest crossover BMWs I think ever made. I think it's slightly smaller than the first-generation X3, is it not? Yes, I believe you're right. And, it, it seems smaller, too. So. And so this is, this is the, uh, you could say, uh, dollar for dollar, maybe the most accessible uh, small crossover from a um, price standpoint. And it would also seem that sales are doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, from what we gather, they're, they're moving out the door quick. And it's the cheapest BMW you can get in the U.S. right now outside of 128 Coupe Stripper. Which, a 128 Coupe, I don't know if you noticed the sales on that thing, but they're not... I mean, let's just be honest. It's a car that's longer in the tooth, nothing particularly interesting about the drivetrain, and they're just not moving a ton of them. No, and there's no incentive to buy it at this point. Right, but the X1, though, I think it's interesting. You, you've got, of course, and, and, and you, of course, Michael, you've driven the car. We had we had the review, and, and we talked about those uh, differences between the S-Drive and the X-Drive and some disappointment and, some I think, some, some good stuff about it. But in general, though, you know, you've got a car that has that 28i engine, that four-cylinder, that N20, which does good gas mileage. It's got, of course, great torque. It's just a great package. You couple it with all-wheel drive, of course, which most people will want out of that car. And it's just like a, you know, for a lot of people out there, it's a no-brainer as far as leasing. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and the other thing, Gabe, too, is it's also available in real-world drive, which is kind of cool if you're in the South and you want something with a little bit more utility. No, but the, but the problem with that, though, as you pointed out in the review is that the rear wheel drive does not have the same steering system no it does not it it does not it is a it's the electric system and it's just it's not as good so it's, it's kind of a bummer because i mean when i first of course saw the specs and understood the uh, you know the, the the model rollout and the strategy behind it i thought okay the x1 s drive actually could be something kind of interesting I personally am not a fan of all-wheel drive, even in snowy climates. Per, you know, unless you're driving up the side of a mountain, give me some snow tires and I'm fine. 
and I love the the simplicity of rear wheel drive. Of course, I'm a BMW fan, so I love rear wheel drive. And this whole idea of a rear wheel drive crossover, I don't know, kind of s- some reason it smelled sort of like a rally car to me, old school. But um, sounds like that's not the one to get if you're a driver. No, it's not. And it really it boils down to is if you can take in that EPS system and accept it for what it is. You know that that's the that's the point. I think we're all going to have to get to is, do I want subpar steering or do I want great feeling? And right now with the X1, there's actually that option. Like the F33 series, you get all-wheel drive, you still have EPS, mm-hmm. you still have the electric power steering. So that is not even an option on the the new three series. But the X1, you still have that choice. You can actually get hydraulic steering if you get all-wheel drive. So, I, I mean, to me, the, the steering is where the feel is, and I would opt for the all-wheel drive just to actually have the hydraulic rack in my hands. And if you do go the 35i route, which is the you know N55 twin turbo inline six, it comes with the older six-speed automatic, which I'm not really a fan of at this point in time. It was it was good. It's good in my 2008. Yeah, I mean we've moved on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We we've moved on since then, and you know once you drive the new eight-speed, it's like you almost can't go back. It's like no, not that. Um, so, I mean, my option, my choice would honestly be the 28i X-Drive. And you can equip that. I think the basis price, like, you know, not doing nothing with options is like 33 and change. Hmm. That's, and, and now you throw incentives on that. Let's just fast forward a year or so on. And you've got a car that offers not a lot of space, but for a, for a young couple, you know, moderately young couple, maybe one one child, maybe even two. I mean, I, you know, who's to say, you know, some people don't have issues with space in the United States uh, with cars. Um, it's a great it's a great little package. Secretly, Gabe. Secretly. <laughs> it's it's a hatch. It is a hatch. That's, and that's why I like the idea of the I love it. It's you a know, hatch. it's like yeah. to me, I look at that thing and I think this is a four door hatchback. BMW and it's real drive. I'm like, oh, why can't it be good? Why can't it have the hydraulic system? And why can't it, you know? Yeah, I, I would, I would equip it lightly in sport, simple stuff. And now you have a great little, you know, urban runabout. Yeah, it's a damn shame we can't get the M135 five door here in the US. It's so awesome. Well, and tell us <laughs> about that actually, Michael. That, that's that actually is is a really good segue. Um, people are raving about this car, of course. You and I have been fans of the 1M. I'm staring outside my window at my 1M in my driveway right now. Um, and now we've got something that isn't really a successor to it, but it, it's, it's sort of like an answer to, well, what if I want something like that, can't afford it, they don't make it anymore, and I need more utility. Exactly. And, you know, and that's the whole M performance niche they're targeting. They're targeting people that want sporty cars, but they're not the typical sporty cars you know they're hatchbacks they're all-wheel drive they could be diesel you know it, it's you know for whatever it is worth people say it's watering down of the m brand i actually say it's giving people that really don't need m cars full-on m cars an option you know? and i want people to think about it this way it's kind of an eclectic mix of cars at this point i, I know it won't be eventually now they're going to have a lot more different models out there but think about it it's it's of course it's the x6 and x5 uh, but it's it's in the five series and the five series wagon, all with tri turbo diesels, you know, triple turbocharged diesels, and then you have this one series four door hatch. I mean, 
just a, from an offering standpoint, it's it's kind of a cool, funky collection of cars. Yeah, and it's practical. The M135i is it's a hatch. It's actually got a lot more room than the previous generation one series. Um, the engine is fantastic. It's very similar to how the one M is is tuned actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the coolest the coolest thing about it all though is you can get an all wheel drive Gabe if you really want it. So you can actually have that rally car feel. So you can not only do that, oh. but if you're so inclined, I could get it in you know w- with an eight speed automatic with paddle shifters and of course that thing's matching revs. It's a you know we're yeah. we're, we're fans of manuals here at, at Bimmerfile, but that eight speed automatic will absolutely knock your socks off, and it will it will prove you wrong as an automatic hater and now you've got that plus you've got all-wheel drive it, it gives you every kind of creature comfort you could really want and it has a great rumble it so, really uh, does this is the one thing that i'm curious about i haven't heard the car yet um you obviously have tell us about it like how is it different than the 1m as far as sound and then actually how is it just different in terms of feel well it's not it's not as um throaty i would say as the 1m because it's not, you know, the, the piping is different in, in the back. And it's actually, it's a good point. I've, I've turned my 1M on from a cold start, and I've had more than one person ask me, uh, quote-unquote, what's wrong with your car? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's um, it's nice, though. It has the, the pop on over-rev. It's really, it's really quite quite nice and it's not too it's not too loud though see that's where it is too it actually has a nice comfort level mm-hmm. you have no drone on the highway it's just it's you know it almost has two different personalities even though it's not full on m because it's um it's almost like the happy medium package it's kind of uh how bmw performance came out with their exhaust well, and so and tell me about the feel though like that's the other thing that that i'm, I'm very curious it's about. soft it's softer than an m car it is definitely not as um tight it's also not as bumpy. I actually think in in many ways, though, the steering is significantly better than pretty much every other rack that's out right now outside the M3 and the, and the 1M. Um, that's, in, that's very interesting. So non-run flats, is that correct? Non-run flats, Okay, yes. so no run flats. It's got a better rack. It's got... Um, Obviously, there's great sound and everything else. I mean, it, it sounds like it's it's adding up to a pretty spectacular car. What about brakes? Uh, yeah, bigger brakes, bigger bigger brakes up front, and then the engine actually is upgraded as well internally. Okay. Uh, so, so there are it's got a forged crank. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some changes to the pistons as well. You know, boost isn't just turned up. There's more cooling. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. So, so the question is, like, is there room for a one M? Is there room for a 1M? Yeah, yeah, actually. In the future. Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, on the track, uh, I, this car wouldn't handle as well as, as the 1M. It has, it's much softer suspension. It's still firm, but it's not as firm as the 1M, for example. It's not structurally as stiff, um, you know, with with all the, the dampers and, and the sway bars and, and all that. that. That's not at the same M level. I think they use, like, you know, it's about 30% of an M car. Uh, right, right. You know, yeah. so, but compared to the base car, it's significantly improved. I mean, it's like you went to your local garage and said, you know, make this car sportier for me, please. You know? And they were a good garage. Yeah. 
Um, so then I guess the, really the final question on this, on this one is, uh, would you, Michael, consider this car? And, and you've, you've had some time in the F, the F20. Um, and I think you've kind of come around to the looks of it. Yeah. I mean, I've, they've grown on me. I had one for about six months as a short term lease, I guess you could say. And uh, I had a diesel and, you know, the interior of the car has come so far from the previous generation. I mean, even from the 1M, which is the, you know, the highest end previous generation one series there was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's night and day difference. It, it's much more livable on the inside. Uh, it's a much softer car. The steering has limited feel because it's a damn EPS system um, in the base car. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the M135, I, I would buy as a fun car for me i can transport my family in it you know friends whatever it's great mm-hmm. five door perfect perfect for me honestly mm. um does it does it replace my love of four-door sedans no i would prefer to have a four-door sedan myself mm-hmm. um but for i think the, the masses of people that really don't need a larger wagon or an suv and you know they have family small small children and things like that. I think it's perfect. And it's fun. It is a pisser. It really, truly really was. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. I, I, we're just like going up and down the line here. Actually, I should say up the line. Um, so the one thirty M135i is not available in the United States. We do No, but the U.S. That. did have an option to get the hatch, and they said no. Really? Yeah, I was told that by a German engineer. So they had the option. The U.S. <laughs> said no because hatches will... Never well, sell. No, I think I think the term is or destroy the brand value of BMW in the United States. Um, that's what I've heard in the past. Will they sell? No, I think. Look at the one series. Do, do, do you call that selling? That, that's a that's a question for you. You know, like I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a car that sold a couple hundred units last month. Yeah, I mean, the, you know how different that looks compared to everything else in the lineup now. It's true. I mean, so let's let's just think about this for a second. Actually, the the big loser was of course the poor Z4, which only sold 180 units. I mean, not that BMW needs to sell a thousand a month of those things, but I mean, Jesus, 180 units. You know, and I was just saying the other day that I was, I was, I was talking with somebody, and I'm like, you know, Z4 drives by, and I'm like, that car doesn't even need a facelift. It's going to get one. Car. But it doesn't need one. It looks yeah. great. It's just going to get headlights and taillights and be it's done. Such a good-looking car. Um, yeah. Inside and out, with the in the in, in, with the IS, which of course will be the uh, M performance version. Yeah, of that's car the first M year. performance car we're going to get. Um, yeah. It's a great car. So let's talk. You know what? Let's talk really quickly about because I was about to mention the M two thirty five I. Um, let's talk about M performance in the United States. We're not going to get the M one thirty five I, but we are going to get the coupe. And the convertible version of that car, which will be known as the two series. Yes. So M two thirty five I. Yes. And then the M two thirty five I will be out. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to throw out about a year and a half from now. I'm just guessing. Yeah, eighteen months. I think we'll start seeing early prototypes running around probably later this fall. So probably a year from this spring is 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 just a very high level guess on on launch of that car, but. But before that, Michael, you're telling me that the Z4 will be, of course, uh, refreshed, and we're going to see the IS, which we've known for a while now, the IS will morph into the M Performance. 
Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, we kind of saw all this happening, Gabe, you and I, and we've reported on this for a, a while now. Um, when they shifted gears and they came out with the M Performance line for the M3 a few years back, we said this is where you know, BMW Performance is going and we'll eventually see the IS going in that direction too. So, yeah, the IS will eventually become the M Performance line. So, you know, the next car to get a facelift will be the Z4 from that line and that'll go because the the one series is going out to pasture so yeah. the 135 is is no longer going to be there and that just also shows how the one series and the one series m performance line and the quote-unquote one series m line can go living together too mm-hmm. as well so that's <clears throat> it is going to be interesting interesting to see if uh, if m does actually come out with a real uh, follow-up to the 1m in the form of an m2 um, of course, that sounds like, if you read between the lines, it's still under consideration. They haven't quite made the final board decision on that. Hasn't been approved yet. Okay. So, thinking of moving up market here, uh, we took care of the 1 Series. I think next up, maybe M3? Yeah, we could do the M3. That's always a good time. Yeah, It, it, it really is. And <laughs> I think the, the thing that, of course, I mean, the, 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 the current M3... We've talked about the Lime Rock Edition a little bit um, on the site. Not a lot to talk about, of course. It's fire orange, which is uh, personally my favorite color, I think, in, in, in the arsenal right now for, for M. Um, non-metallic orange on the GTS, on the M3 GTS. And it has pretty much all of the M performance accessories available for the M3. And and then that's about it. So people have complained about this car. Bill Caswell, Caswell um, has he wrote this piece about Jalopnik how uh, on Jalopnik how the the uh, M3 Lime Rock edition was uh, was destroying the M brand or it it it, it like was the yeah the I read it and I had a little throw up in my mouth to be honest I, with you I because didn't get it, it. like I, I like Bill. I don't get it I like Bill and I I mean you know like he literally lives down the street for me and I I've always appreciated you know his love for uh, BMW and the and the M brand itself but it didn't make any sense because. Uh, you and I know, Michael. This is this is basically an opportunity to just throw a bunch of these accessories on the car, which are great accessories. Offer it for cheaper than you'd buy it for. Give it a great color and sell it to a few, you know, lucky people. Exactly, Gabe. I mean, I don't know what people are expecting. I mean, you want the four point, you know, four liter bored out GTS engine in the United States. I mean, you're gonna have to pay a pretty penny for that, and there are very few people who are gonna do that. I'll right, tell you that. right. Who's I mean, gonna pay 150 grand for a car with 50 more horsepower? There'd be, I mean, honestly, there'd be uh, 20, and then of course, if they're 20, then you have to offer it for God knows how much money, even more than 150, maybe. Right. So, it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. So, I guess, I guess the point is on that. On that, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a nice sort of like you know, nod to the, the sort of the ending of that generation. It's, it's the ultimate, I like to think of it as the ultimate factory M3 for the United States um, in the E92 generation. Yeah, I mean, it actually has, it's, it has value, A. Mm-hmm. B, all the stuff is installed before your dealer touches it. So yeah. that, that's huge. I mean, to, to me, I mean, to me, I think it's actually a really great product. And it's better than just having like a frozen color and some kind of, you know, Alcantara, which I can't stand on the steering wheel, on the steering wheel. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's true. I mean, so there's been a couple other limited editions you write. They're frozen colors. Um, you know, like them or love them. 
that's pretty much been the extent of the the differences, along with maybe a couple accessories here and there. So that is the uh, M3 Lime Rock Edition. But I think more importantly, we want to talk about the next M3, which, of course, is going to be coming out, um, hitting dealers, we're guessing, around the spring of 2014, and that is the F80 four-door M3. And, Michael, do you want to t- sort of tell, tell us a little bit about why four-door and then where's the two-door? Well, four-door is because this generation four-door actually sold very well um, against what I think a lot of people think. It actually did really well. It's a great car. I have one. So wait, um, so the E90 M3, because I'd always heard or sort of surmised that it didn't sell well. Well, if it didn't sell well, they wouldn't be building one. Um, let's just go with that. They're not going to build on failures. That's not what they do. We, we don't see a M5 wagon this generation because they sold 1700 last generation it's not you know mm-hmm. no reason to build that car um yeah no the the e90 sold pretty well um and as the m5 has grown larger in size it's become you know say bigger than some people want and what's better way to put another m model in there than a four-door a little bit bigger than the previous generation and it squeezes in where the m5 used to be for example mm-hmm. um you know, everything's gone up one notch. So just think of it as the, the former. It's basically the same size as the E39 M5 was. So not not a bad um, product there. That sold real well. So, yeah. And the reason why we don't see the two-door, Gabe, is because the two-door is not out yet. Uh, so this will be the basis. Engine, drivetrain, all that good stuff is getting really vetted right now for the four-door, which will come out first. The, so the four-door is going to be the M3. And then we're getting a name change for uh, the two I, yeah. yeah, that that's really what they happening. Say. I mean, that's no. that's, that's, I, that's I personally don't think so. That is the rumor that's been going on, the, the going through the internet rank and file for the past you know three four years now, and I, we we even talked. I mean, shit, we we had this rumor in like two thousand and two, you know, like or whatever yeah. it was. Like it's been around for so long. Huh? BMW was like, well, we're gonna move our our two doors to even numbers and whatnot, and and yeah. and, and from a Strict nomenclature standpoint, it makes sense because BMW, as any any company will, will charge you more for the coupe because of style and position. Of course, that's that's their right. You know, having yeah. less doors costs more money to make. Gabe, <laughs> clearly, just like a clearly. just like a GT3 Porsche costs more than a 911 because there's less there there's less stuff yeah exactly (laughs) so uh, yeah so the point is that that uh the 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 m3 uh of course has spanned the four door and two door category the rumor is right now that it will be changed um it will be an m3 for four doors and an m4 for two doors so jury's still out on that is that is that what you're saying i i don't believe it for the m3 i believe it for the four door regular BMW product line. And we also have to realize that the M cars now have their own chassis designation. They're not like F33 series M. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this is F80M3. This is its own thing. It has its own chassis designator. So it doesn't even have to deal with the other crap that goes on with all the ordering of the parts and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. I mean, they learned with the M5, when you change 80% of a car, it's no longer the same car. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, no, so, that's a fair point. You know, and the other point to make with the, the naming change for the M3 coupe, as it is currently, to going to the M4, is you're 
throwing out a significant amount of investment in racing. You're throwing out a significant investment in just advertising over the last, you know, decades. Um, and, and the big thing too is to think about here in Germany, um, where I'm luckily still here, um, is that DTM just relaunched. BMW and is spending uh, boatloads, like literally they have trailer fulls of money on DTM here in Europe. And it's all M3 DTM, M3 DTM, M3 DTM. Mm-hmm. M- and if they were going to launch an M4, I have a feeling they would have actually stopped production on the E90 chassis completely and invested money in speeding up the F cars and then launch the M4. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with you just, just for, because I feel like I, I may actually agree with you secretly, but I'm going to yes. disagree with you because there's so many people who think otherwise. I'll just throw out the other, the other scenario that, that BMW M is basically looking at the two-door M3. I should say, shit, I'm clearly, it's a slip of the tongue. I can't even say it. The two-door M4 as like a major milestone for the brand. And they're going to launch it as like the revo- you know, sort of a revolutionary, new, better version of the M3. And if there's anything that sells from a marketing standpoint to people, it's when you increase the number of something and make it sound like it's better. And the M4, I know it sounds stupid. It sounds absolutely stupid. But the M4 sounds like uh, you pull into your driveway and your neighbor looks over and he's like, holy shit. You got an M4? I didn't even know they had M4s. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, it's a, from a simple, simple perspective, it makes some sense. And I feel like it's an opportunity for them to then like roll out a massive, massive moment for the M brand. And start from scratch. And start from scratch. You know what? But at the same time, here's my other scenario is that the M3 still exists. And that's why they had to produce the four-door. This is my, this is my hypothesis, which makes probably very little sense. But one of the reasons they wanted to make sure they had the four-door is because they, they wanted to call it the M3. And then they wanted to have an M4. So the M3 still exists. People are still flocking to the dealers to see the M3. Wait a second, it has four doors? What about the two-door? Oh, that's going to be the M4 comes out next year. And we're going to charge you another 6K for it. Well, but they've always charged more for, you know, the, the two-door. And that, I no, mean, I could see that. I could see that happening. I, I guess I, I, you know, you're looking at it that way, I can. I've heard it both ways from yeah. people that, you know, that say it hasn't been officially done. It's mm-hmm. not a done deal. They're going back and forth and doing market research and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the whole aspect in so, certain cultures that these cars sell for boatloads of money um yeah. that that number is not necessarily lucky and it may impact sales significantly and they're not sure if they want to do that uh change the culture <laughs> change the anyway, culture that's 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 that there's two sides of the argument there obviously yeah we are and, and anybody who says they know uh, they, I really yeah i really don't they, know if they do no, they don't know. What we do know is that it will have um, a, a highly modified M exclusive EPS system. So let's talk about what's going on in this car because I think that's the interesting thing about the uh, new M3 slash 4 is it will be the first M car with an electric power steering system. That is correct. That is correct. And um, from what 
from what I've gathered is that the manufacturer is the same manufacturer that is uh, supplying Porsche and the Porsche has gotten pretty decent reviews for an EPS system if you know if what I'm reading is the same thing you guys are reading over there um, and it's, I think people the, the people who have said they don't like it are the people who went into the review thinking they were not going to like it you know it's like oh, oh it's electric oh I have to not like it. I have to bemoan the 911 becoming the soft, you know, device for dentists all over the world. Well, yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the Gabe, the problem I have with this whole thing, okay, if they could make it and they can, they can make it so it has feel and they're getting much better at it as I've witnessed in the M135i. But what people fail to realize is that, yeah, EPS only gains a little bit as far as efficiency goes but the problem is is if you cannot find a manufacturer that is making a hydraulic system where the hell are you going to buy one Mm -hmm. and that's the problem the suppliers are all gung-ho about making eps systems for you know whatever reason they have and i think it's more of the advertising it as a fuel assistant fuel efficiency saver but you know so you have zf and they're making all electronic racks now so Mm -hmm. We have to go to a different manufacturer and they make a hydraulic rack, but the hydraulic rack sucks. It is not able to be upgraded to say M levels. So now we're back to an EPS system, which we can upgrade to M levels, for example. And I I think that's where we're getting to that point is where there isn't a supply of quality manufacturing. You know, there's a bunch of quality suppliers making parts that existed a, a few years back because they're all pushing future technology and fuel savings. Well, there you have it. I mean, I, I think it's fair. I think it's very fair. And I think that, you know, a lot of times people, you know, are wondering why things are changing and to some degree. These, these suppliers sometimes have to drive that because I mean, they have so many automakers that want to produce a certain kind of system. BMW doesn't have the buying power, frankly, to, to go against that tide. No, and they're not making this stuff in-house. It's not cost-effective at all. You know, it really truly isn't. So, you know, you have to kind of go with the flow a little bit and make adjustments as you're and going. This is, and by the way, this is, this is why when we talk about BMW at times sort of, quote-unquote, fighting for their life or fighting for their, you know, like, or, you know, are they going to be a takeover uh, target at some point? You know, people are like, wow, they're a huge company. They, they have all these brands. You've got to be kidding me. The reality is they are a small automotive brand. Look at the VW group. I mean, they well, can... VW just gobble up Porsche. And now they're we. I, I've been reading every day here that they're going to buy Alpha. Well, and and they're also here in, on, on this side of the Atlantic. There's the rumor is they're done. They're done buying. But the point is they have so much buying power. And of course, this is why GM existed. For instance, they have so much buying power that they can either bring the stuff in house. Or they can basically go to ZF or whoever and dictate or Gitrag or dictate what they want made. And, oh, by the way, we'll take a million of them. And, then, and by the way, you can't use that on another car for another manufacturer. Right, yeah, because we just gave you technology. Because, oh, by the way, we have thousands of people working on this right now. And BMW has, you know, 10. They may be the 10 best, but there's 10. So right. I think <clears throat> I think that's, that's the big difference here. And it's one of the things to keep in mind <clears throat> when you think about the technology that BMW uses. I mean, when it's world-class or the first ever, it's because BMW dreamt it up and they created it. And uh, you got to give them credit for it. You got to give them credit for, frankly, surviving and thriving as such a small brand. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, and, you know, that's, I think sometimes people don't realize that a lot of these decisions to go into these niche markets is really so they can get scale up so they yeah. can actually become a bigger player and, well, and build the M3. I mean, that's a great example. I mean, the X6 is the, who would buy the X6? We're like, what the hell? Like it's ugliest looking car of all time. Apparently a lot of people, <laughs> apparently all over the world. And, all now, the world, yeah. and now, you know, they can look at it and say, like, that was such a huge payoff for our investment. We may not sell a million of them, but we're selling enough now that it's making our X5 parts cheaper. And now when we go into the next generation of X5 product, I can, I can guarantee you, as I can look at a supplier and say, I can guarantee you more sales because I, now I have the X6. You can give me a better price and you give, give me better technology. And things start to filter into the base platform of the X5 that they would have never gotten without the X6. And, and, and there, I think the reverse is true. You know, when you think about a lot of the different, not the reverse, but I think that it's just true down the line when you think about the different niches. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because now BMW is getting so niche-driven. You know, where does it, where does it stop? Sky is the limit as far as niches go with BMW at this point. We got a 3GT coming, a Ford Grand Coupe. I I know, I know. I keep going. I was waiting for the 3GT and a 4GT, but um, let's really quick. Let's get back to this M3 because there's a couple things I want to talk about. Yeah, it'll be inline six. Um, Now the N55 is is still like a new engine but it's really not that new well we've uh, got we've got a new version the n55 coming out next year is that right an updated version but yeah i mean there's a tu coming soon so mm-hmm. um maybe m got a hold of a future engine and a future block and a future system and you know they work their magic like that um that's you know just think about it that way it's not the current system it's going to be something different from from what we hear, anyway, and um, like an like an N fifty something else, maybe. Well, I mean, it could be an N fifty five TU, as yeah. we just saw with you know the oh, technical with the update. Yeah. yeah, with the sixty three and how it ended up with uh, you know some some new guts and some new mm-hmm. power and much more efficiency. They, they're going to do the same thing, or you know, have this next version of the same inline six mm-hmm. coming. Well, um, I think the interesting thing, though, the the opportunity for the M three is a little greater than the M five because. As we know, the the three series has some interesting space under the floor for hybrid batteries. Yeah, is that yeah. something that M could potentially use for a system like a curse system? Is something that we've heard rumored before on the M5, which we obviously didn't get. Well, I mean, up until recently, I would have said no; it doesn't make any sense. But I've been just hearing some things that possibly, yeah, the M is looking into putting a curve system into the M3. And uh, that's because they can actually reach higher scales with it because they sell more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the chassis was originally designed for a hybrid system. So, I mean, the battery, like you said, the battery under the floor, it doesn't affect anything, and the system's already already lined up. And the trick that, will be weight, though, right? The trick will be weight, but now if you're using it as like I say a push to pass system, for example, and you're not going to be running the car for 37 miles on just you know electric, right, right, you really don't need much battery. So then it would just be where do you put the electric and you know the it electric could be motor? A, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, thinking back to the the system developed by well, I, I believe it's developed by another company, but Williams F1 bought it. 
and they have since licensed it to Jaguar and Porsche. Porsche uses it, used it on their um, their uh, race car, their 911 uh, hybrid race car that they've, of course, driven in a couple of races. Sebring and Road Atlanta come to mind. Yeah, and BMW has the F1 experience with the Kerr system. I mean, BMW was a huge proponent of Kerr's in F1. And, I mean, part of the reason why they bailed was because they invested so much money in it. And then the system was... You know, people, they didn't want it anymore. Uh, of course, now it's which, back, which is... Some yeah, irony exactly. About. Yeah, well, which is irony. So, I mean, is it, I haven't seen any, you know, hybrid drivetrain stickers on any of these mules or anything like that. But, which, which they have to by what? By German law? Yeah, so I haven't haven't seen that here yet. Um, but, I mean, we still have a lot of time. So, maybe they're just, perf- you know, they could be perfecting the petrol drivetrain right now and then working it in. I don't know. I heard this from uh, an unconfirmed source, and um, okay, we'll see. We'll see where it Grain goes. Grain of salt, but we do know we we believe this is not going to be a tri turbo inline six. We believe it's going to be a twin turbo. Yeah, um, it doesn't. Mean, I mean, four hundred fifty horsepower they can easily with two turbos. So what? Why did they need the third? Exactly, and I mean, I guess I, I guess my thought is complexity, heat, everything. You know, weight. Uh, of course, uh, M is increasingly interested in reducing weight. Now, last thing I'll say about this M3, we're not going to see the amount of uh, you know, mass scale carbon fiber parts that we will see on future M cars. Uh, consider this M3 is the last generation of M cars that is, is being made that won't have you know, BMW's carbon fiber knowledge sort of baked into it, no pun intended. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Maybe Very that was nice. intended. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of nice a nice segue into the M5 and the M6 game because yeah. the M6 is probably going to be the heaviest M car that performs the best ever. The M6 convertible is over thirty five hundred pounds. Now, of course, we're not counting the M SAVs. No, no, for, that doesn't count. That's a different reasons problem. here. Yeah, they're on but, the planet to the left. Yeah, I love them, but they're a different planet. The planet to the left. That's great. <laughs> I do too. They're just monsters, but they're not. Yeah, you even, can't compare them to a Citroen car. It. I yeah. mean, it's like, yeah, they're fast as hell. I love the X5M. That's my. I love that car. Well, but so it's not the same. About, uh, so you drove, of course, you you drove the M5 and M6 recently um, at Laguna Seca. These are cars that are monsters i mean they are big they're heavy and yet as you know i mean i i've, I've driven the m uh you know the m6 um extensively i've driven these guys they're, they're incredible on the track yeah and gabe you know you're talking about somebody going into a review and hating a product before they even experienced it i hated the m6 the previous generation e63 right. m6 was my most hated car bmw has ever made it's and made a couple that I didn't agree with. But well, I it's funny because, I mean, you and I have, have, have agreed on that yeah. for a while, but I think I could never quite match your hate of that car. Uh, it was just not predictable. I mean, you didn't know. The chassis just, it was it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't help a driver on a track to have a chassis that's all over the place. And for opinion. me, I, you know, I, I just, I, it's like I can't quite hate that car because it possesses under the hood probably what will be one of my, if not my all-time favorite M engine, one of one of my all-time favorite M engines, the V10. Yeah, no, that's true. But then the way I look at it, Gabe, they made the M5 with that same engine, and that's a better car. Oh, there you but go. I digress. Yeah, digression. Um, 
the the new M6, the F13, um, is fantastic. It's huge. It's heavy. Sure, it's it, it it probably needs to go on a diet. We all get that, but it's significantly better than the previous generation. All starts with them hard bolting that rear end up, which is simply amazing. First car in the U.S. to have that was actually the the F10 M5 in Europe. They've seen that in the GTS M3 and the CRT M3, which were both limited edition cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they're able to achieve that really is that they've got the damper control like mastered. They, it's pretty they've incredible. Dialed it in. Yeah, it's you don't on the street you don't realize that there's no bushings or rubber between the chassis and, and even the I think the best example of that you think about it this way think about the M6 convertible. I mean, this is a boulevard cruiser and you've got like, yeah, you've got no bushings. You've got nothing in between your, your sub for I, it to me. It's, it's incredible. This is not a hardcore race car yet. It's using technology and, and, and design like it is. Yeah. And to be honest with you, it, it's very surprising that they can, to, can do this. And, and you know, the engineers will tell you it's because the, the actual chassis of the car is so, rigid from BMW that M was able to do this. And, you know, part of that rigidity is that it weighs so damn much, but <laughs> it's cut from know, a solid source it's cut of from metal. A solid brick of steel. It's, it's like billet. So funny. But it, um, it was really impressive. I mean, the biggest thing to get used to with, the um, the M six and the M five, both cars really is that it's just an abundance of torque and you have to get used to driving with so much torque. I mean, if you, if you're a little bit too heavy on the throttle, you've got no traction. You've instantly just become ice skating because the back tires are melting. Well, but I I will say this though, in in my drive in the M6, I think, I think BMW has clearly, clearly worked on traction control um, over the past few years, knowing that these, these cars were going to be coming with so much power and it's not, you know, you, yeah, you're right. Like the the light comes on, you know. There's clearly uh, engine retardation, if you will, using air quotes there. But you don't feel it. Doesn't feel like something like you don't jerk forward. Like it, it's very smooth. You, it, the car's always making you look good. Yeah, and in M dynamic mode, um, honestly, it it has a lot of freedom. You can get that thing tail out and mm-hmm. you know just having fun as long as it's the m6 within, specifically right yeah with the m6 specifically yeah i mean it's it's tail happy fun i mean it'll actually let you do things because it, it it's got a much larger field of uh you know it allows you to get out a little bit more before it intervenes and, it's interesting uh, because i mean the the previous example um that was always sort of best in class for m was the one m as far as allowing you it allowed the most slip angle it allowed basically you to get so out of control that you didn't think it was possible for it to rein you in and then it does and the m6 from all counts i mean for what you're saying is actually a little just a step further yeah, you can step it out a bit more. It's yeah, it's really it's it's, it's actually really good because to be honest with you, Gabe, I, it's the first time in a long time that I've actually been hesitant to turn everything off in a car. A, it's expensive. B, mm-hmm. it's expensive. It's not mine. <laughs> I was gonna say B, um, it's not yours. <laughs> B, it's not mine. And and to be honest with you, it's um, it's it, it was a monster. I mean, I you know. But I think that's fair. Like I mean, I, I'll I'll tell you right now, my one M. I have turned that traction. I've turned it off completely. I mean, of three four times. Like that's it. And 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 I think I think you know 
I mean, of course, that car is a short wheelbase and it's got tons of torque. So I mean, I, I always I always refer to it as a tree wrapper. It's basically built yes. eventually to be wrapped around a tree. Um, and I am, am notorious for like I get in my wagon and I go in sport mode and turn everything off. Like I just like that's how I'd like to drive. And the one M very different. Um, so it's 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 interesting you say that. And and I want to tell you a quick story about the one M to make the M six like have some context. I have had my one M. With opposite lock, I'd say going around a corner at about 50 plus miles an hour with M dynamic mode on with the, with right. the, with the quote unquote nannies on. Yeah. It's, and that's how the M six was. I mean, you could take it and just have the whole ass end hanging out and it was doing its thing. No lights blinking, you know, it uh, was great. That is, I mean, I gotta tell you like that. It is a wonderful world we live in when we can have cars that allow us to do that. And yet we don't have to actually even break a sweat knowing that we're going to wrap it around a tree because if it comes to it, it'll be there for us. Yeah. And, you know, after taking everything off and, and, <clears throat> and driving the track with, with everything off and then driving the track with MD, MDM mode on and all that stuff and, and just listening to the instructors. And actually, I spent some time with Bill Alverland um, going around the track as well. And there are very few places on that track at Laguna Seca where having everything off is actually helpful um, mm -hmm. to actually improve your track, you know, your lap times and things like that. It's very, it's smooth wins. And if you're not mm -hmm. being smooth, that's when you end up with all your issues and, you know, the nannies coming on and things like that. Well, and I think that's the thing that's so, so interesting to me. So last night um, I was, uh, I got sent the link to the, the infamous, or I should say mythical uh, roof 911 yellow bird video going around the Nurburgring. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. I have not seen that. It's it's a I believe it's a nine nine eight six. Is it? It's it's the old like 1990 era 911 and roof okay. RUF. Yes. Uh, as you as you know, and a lot of our listeners will know, uh, takes apart the 911 and essentially put bolts it back together with their own magic if you will and it's actually considered a different manufacturer at that at that point um which is why they're on video games like gt like uh, gran turismo etc anyway this this car was one of the f was sort of this like standout moment for them it had an enormous amount of power it was extraordinarily fast and there's a video in car of this of this car going around the nurburgring which was a sort of this mythical viral video before there was even internet and uh, you watch it now, and it's just an engineer in a short, you know, like a you know short shirt, like a short sleeves, and he's just clearly like going out for a Saturday run. And I've never seen a man opposite lock and work so hard in my. I I've never seen anything like it before. It's just amazing how hard he's working to keep that car smooth and to keep it straight. And when you consider, and you have to search for this video because you'll know what I mean. When you consider that amount of work is non-existent in an M6, yeah. the car's doing it for you. You know, it's incredible. And I'm not to say that like I'm all for computers doing the job of a human or whatever. Like, I mean, take that argument just off, put it off the side for a second. It is just incredible that the M6 can even do it. It's just mind-boggling how smart the electronics really, really are. Yeah, no, they, they really, they are. I mean, it's got the diff that picks up on steering angle and, you know, braking and all that. And it puts a power to the wheel where it needs to be. And 
it doesn't activate itself. It doesn't need to. I mean, yeah, the electronics in that aspect are absolutely sensational. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest downfall of the car is heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you shave 200 pounds off that thing, it'd be a monster. But mm-hmm. the other thing is it already is a monster. If you compare it to, say, the Jag or even the Maserati, which <laughs> relatively, I mean, that it's more money. But that's what I'm saying. It's more money. The interior yeah. fit and finish of the M6 is... I couldn't find anything wrong with it. Well, to be honest with you. and look, look at a CL. You know, look at a CL sixty three from Mercedes. Right. You know, it's. Right. I mean, the M six is is right within the sort of like the the target zone for weight and power, um, but it has more feel. It's just more of a driver's car. Yeah, it was fun. It's fun for for what it is. I mean, so can we officially would... put the Bimmer file like stamp of approval on the M six? Shit. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. And then uh, just to piggyback here real quick, because I also drove the M5 with the manual. And I was one of the, uh, I guess, outspoken enthusiasts that got basically torched all over the place because I said that the M5 really doesn't need a manual. And then, you know, I had to check my man card and my enthusiast card and I, I lost them because I said the M5 doesn't need a manual. Well, I still don't think the M5 needs a manual. I think what it was intended to be is a bond burner and it was designed for, for Europe and Germany and it's fantastic with the DCT. And when you're doing 188 miles an hour on the Autobahn and need to downshift, you really don't want to be rev matching a, or even looking for that, doing anything different. Um, you just pluck the thing and it's fine on the, on the back of the uh, steering wheel. But that said in the U S the manual makes some sense. Right. Even though the clientele of this is going to be people with carting around colleagues or trying to do a business deal with somebody in the back seat and you're going to be shifting in traffic and it's going to be a bitch but it rev matches Gabe I didn't know it rev matched so, I'm going around the first corner and I'm I'm trying to heel toe myself and then yeah. all of a sudden the thing does it itself I'm like oh my god so that's the first time that's ever like so BM, so Nissan had that technology in the uh, 370Z uh, like four decades ago right? no a couple years ago is when they released oh. it but and everybody's like, holy, sh- this is like revolutionary. Why aren't more manufacturers doing this? And and part of me, I hear that I'm like, well, that's like that's what I do. Like I love doing that. And now you're telling me it's going to take it away from me. But everybody I've talked to has said, no, no, no. Believe me, like it is is really great because you don't have to think. You can consider, for instance, the corner, <laughs> and you yeah. just have a little bit more brain power for everything else that's going on. And, and you can, de- you know, you can defeat it too. You turn everything off and it's defeated. Um, I think so, it's also defeated in Sport Plus too. That is so. amazing to me though. And, and, and you have this confirmed from BMW. They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. It does do that. Yeah, and it's the first M car that's ever done that. So let me ask this. Um, if you were ordering your M5 of, of your dreams, I don't know, I, orange perhaps. Uh, yes. I, yeah, that's my choice. Um, would you get the manual? Uh, would I get a manual? I have an E90 with a manual. I would probably, oh, um, I would go with with the the last time you'd be able to have that option. Uh, Gabe, I would probably opt for the DC2. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I would, uh, because if I'm buying an M5, I'm not buying that car to go around reservoirs and nail apexes. I'm driving that car on the highway and then mashing the pedal and going to get myself a very high speeding ticket unless I'm in 
Texas on some unknown road doing 85. But um, I would I would go manual, and I, I haven't driven the manual. I've just driven the DCT, but just throwing it out there, the, the manual to me is just a unique opportunity because we will not have that option in the next M5. I can I can almost guarantee you. Well, I don't think there'll be manuals at all at that point. To be honest with you, yeah. I really don't. And that that the, is a, a another show. I I would suspect. Yeah, and the the box is the the box is the the gearbox is basically the same. Um, it's beefed up like it's got heavy duty internals and hydraulics, but it's basically the same box as what's in the five fifty. All right. So last thing I'll ask, and we need to move on to our final topic of the of the show. Do we expect to see this manual in the M six? Officially, it's not been declared, but yeah, I would imagine so. They have to yeah. economize the scale. That's just the way it works. I would, I and I, and I, I mean, I wrote about it previously as well. I, I believe we're going to see it in the uh, 2014 model year, so next summer probably. Oh, I also will comment that there, you know, the M5 in Europe. I drove at Ascari at the initial launch. It had bolsters in the seats. In the U.S., there are no seat bolsters because the U.S. doesn't get sports seats. It doesn't get the comfort seats and. There are no adjustable bolsters. And on a racetrack, that's a freaking nightmare. Wait, there are no adjustable bolsters on the M5? On the M5. On the M6, it has its own seats, and there are bolsters. So wait a second. So you're telling me the adjustable bolsters I have in my wagon, my 5 Series wagon, I could not get in the M5? No, because the F10 car does not have that option. The F10 in the U.S. never came with the adjustable bolsters. Are you kidding? I mean... No, no, this, this, this was... Trust me, taking a turn oh with no God. bolsters that Sorry. you can't squeeze around you sucked. I'm l- I'm late to this game, but I have them in my M my one M. Yes. So the, I mean, wow. I had I'm something shocked. to do with crash testing and and the placement of an airbag or something. Yeah, I mean, did it have anything to do with like fat middle sections of? I don't know. Americans? I mean, I know, <laughs> I don't know, but they can't opt. They can't use. Unbelievable. You know, they couldn't offer a different package basically i mean the m package the m seats are usually built off of the stock seats so okay Uh, so but that is rumored rumored to be coming at a later date okay all right uh we'll let that go um last last topic i know it's a long show we have one more topic and michael sales are down in the united states yet they're up in europe and pretty much everywhere else. What gives? I don't want to say that the United States economy is in the crapper because I think Europe's is no lost. Yeah, U.S. is 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 not is not doing bad. I mean, you know, things could always be better, but um, no, not that at all. And I think we have been for quite a while talking about um, a couple of different things. I mean, one of them, of course, is this sort of arcane way that BMW is now packaging their cars and and notably the three series the x3 and the x1 yes with lines yes and then packaging every option into a package so because i mean i mean the five series as well and i mean the sales i mean let me just go down the list to just start this conversation three series (laughs) down 30 percent over a a car that was long on the tooth last year. Uh, five series down sixty percent. Yeah, I mean, sixty percent is insane. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, and this is a car that's two years old. 
And it could be the model year changeover game. Well, it could but, be. And that's, and that's the other thing. Last year, I mean, there was crazy incentives. This year, not so much. Is that what we're seeing? That's a big, no, that's I a don't big think so because minus. every other manufacturer would be suffering from the same thing at the same time, and it didn't happen. BMW was one of two car companies in the United States, I think, that had down months. And the other one, I think, was like Suzuki or something. Yeah, and they were down. Like, they were way, way down. It's the kind of thing that's eyebrow-raising. Yeah, and it's, it is it is eyebrow-raising, and I think there's a point. You know, BMW was was the premium brand that was sporty and allowed for individuality and choices. And when you take away choices, I, you know, people get a little bit miffed. I mean, not for nothing. Like, I still am on the kick that if I was to package a BMW right now, if I wanted to go buy a, a 3 Series, I would not pay the money to get the navigation system. And I will always have navigation in my car. So what does that tell you? Right. I'm not buying that car. And that's because they're packaging the heads-up display, which I can't use if I have to wear my glasses. So but because let, me, it's let me ask polarized. This. Let, me, let, me, let me poke a hole in that whole thing. Because the it's it's people like you and I, and I, first of all, I agree with you. Like I, I feel the same exact way. But the the the... The, the the large amount of sales that BMW makes aren't to people like that like us. They're to people who I you know I, I want to buy my first BMW. I'll take the black one, and I'll, yes, I'll take the three year lease. Right, and then they can stock them with every option with the ultimate package. Right, and I and I mean again, don't get me wrong. I completely agree, but do the disgruntled enthusiasts equal okay. even a, a a 10% sales drop? No, I, 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 think, it, I think, but I think, two. but I think Gabe, but you're, you know, the other point of the matter is, is that when you start bundling everything together, that $33,000 car, that, yeah. that person walking to the lot to that's go fair. lease for the first BMW is now 43,000. So I think that's fair. And I mean, I, and, I, and now I it's not a good point, you know, and then now it's no longer just a stretch. It's like, it's out of reach. I'll be drowning. I can't get into that car. Right. And there's you know, no and there's no $35,000 BMWs in a lot. You know, they're all you know, yada yada yada. I think I think it's I think I think you're, there's something to it. I agree. I think the line the the whole system of lines is maybe the intention was good in the way it's executed with basically no deviation, terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's some difference between how the US is doing it and how Europe is doing it. Europe is selling the lines and they're selling they're selling well. It's, but also Europe has a full a la carte of options. So you, you can get just nav. You don't need nav and HUD together. You don't have to get like xenon headlights, park distance control, heated seats, you know, folding mirrors, all this other stuff in one package. You can get, oh, xenon headlights? Sure. Um, you want sports seats? In Europe, you can get sports seats on any car you want. Mm -hmm. In the United States, you have to buy the sports model. What if I don't want a red dash stripe running across my dashboard or a black one? What if I want wood? Can't do that right now. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm obviously, you know, a little disgruntled about it myself. But I live in Germany now, so I can package a damn car how I please, and it's great. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so we'll see. We'll see if things change. I mean, uh, you know, I, my, my, my thought, my assumption was always that BMW had done this with 3 Series to just sort of get product on the showroom floor, make it simple for people to order, and ultimately they'd be rolling out more options a la carte. 
They haven't done that yet for 2013 models. Um, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Hopefully it does. But the other thing I will say for BMW's defense is that the 3 Series is not available in all-wheel drive yet. And and I think that's a good point. It, it, it actually is now, I believe, as of just, August, but just just, com- just now. Just coming through. And, you know, the Northeast, Snowbelt, you know, ski people, all people. Oh, like, I mean, like all wheel drive now. Midwest, like you, I'm sorry, I've never seen. I always take note of M Sport 5 Series. I don't know why. I always do. And I've never seen an M Sport 5 Series, like zero, ever without X drive in Chicago. Never. So, and and I've talked to the guys at, you know, local dealers, they don't order non all wheel drive five series unless it's the base engine model. Unless it's the 28 I, they would just do not. They're all all wheel drive in Chicago. So you think about the, yeah, you think about the sales dive. I mean, you know, could be a big part of it. So we shall see. I think September is going to be a pretty telling month. Yeah, and in September we have uh, the Paris Auto Show here coming up. Um, Absolutely. I'm hoping to make that trek. That is going to be big. I mean, we should talk about just very briefly what to expect there and and the kind of things that uh, we're going to be talking about over the next month. Yeah, uh, three Grand Turismo should be there and uh, front-wheel drive BMW. Which, of course, is the precursor or sort of sneak peek at the Mini as well. So Yeah. Should be a good time. It is going to be a huge show. We're, of course, going to be talking about it quite a bit. Michael, sounds like you may make it. Um, either way, we will be covering it extensively. Uh, we will have, I'm sure, a podcast around that time as well. So with that said, uh, it's good to catch up. We need to do this, obviously, more often. Schedules, of course, dictate that. But, um, of course, look for something to be coming over the next few weeks. Any other last thoughts, Michael? No, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm impressed with these M cars, and I really am excited for the new M3 sedan. I really am. I'm I'm, I'm pumped about this thing. I yeah. see it all the time, and it's actually starting to sound good too. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds really good. It's got a nice growl. So, with that said, uh, of course, this is Bimmercast number sixty-four. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or suggestions for Bimmercast number sixty-five, let us know. Send us a, a quick. Uh, note in the contact form on bimacarl.com or you can always just email us at info at bimacarl.com we will be back hopefully in the next few weeks hopefully it's not going to be another month like it was last time so until then this is Gabe cheers Michael Gross